With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon in Partners for the Injured. Hello, Night Nation. Trace Rolko here. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. We welcome in Adam and auditioning to replace UCF Mike, who is either on vacation or in the podcast transfer portal, just to stir the pot a little bit. It's Andy Barch, resident Sons X's and O's expert. Andy, welcome in with us. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Adam, you're used to it. We had no choice. Yeah, no Andy, choice. no F-bombs. No, no F-bombs. That's on the watch along. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had no choice, Trace. You just said Andy was on the show, and I was like, okay. I didn't have much of a say in this. But it's good to be back with you, gentlemen, on a Thursday. Obviously, a lot to talk about. Football has come to an end. We've got a guest coming in in a few minutes. Basketball. We're a basketball school now, friends. So everybody buckle up for the tournament run. Hopefully, we make. But uh, good to be back. It's going to be a fun show tonight. Well, a little breaking news off the top before we rehash the military bowl loss uh, UCF to Duke. Uh, Linebacker Brandon Jennings out on his social media says he's coming back in 2023. Of course, took his red shirt following four games in the 2022 season. That uh, is some interesting news this Thursday. Yeah, I'm not going to play this, you know, this I know everything, but I had heard behind the scenes that he'd been practicing all season with the team, that he actually looked impressive, that they really liked what he brought uh, and that they were counting on him in, in 23. Obviously, if those were his expectations, that I don't know, but he's definitely been practicing in, in uh, part of the uh, practice squad, and he's been turning some heads. So he could, he could be a good addition that we aren't really counting on, and we need plenty of linebackers in case you are, were all unaware. Yeah, I would think that that's probably part of the motivation, right, is that he sees the linebacker depth that we have, and then he kind of realizes, uh, you know, with the portal getting clogged up, there might be better opportunity here than trying to go learn a whole new system. So you guys, you, you sat for three plus hours in that watch along. I listened as best I could to you guys. Duke 30, UCF 13 nights with that unusual record of nine and five. How did it feel watching with other Knights fans on that watch along? 
Actually, you know what? It made it easier, right? The game went faster. It made it a little bit easier to have people to talk to and not, you know, not spill over every play. Um, here, here's my bigger takeaway, Trace. I think going into the game, we recognized defensively it was going to be an interesting game. Obviously, losing uh, two stars to the portal wasn't big, wasn't great, rather. Losing Devon Wilson as an opt-out. We're already down Quadric Bullard injury-wise. Then we learned Tremel Moore's brash isn't playing. Down five starters from the beginning of the season. You kind of expected, okay, defense may be a little bit shaky. We may have to try some things. Oh, by the way, lost defensive coordinator as well, right? Uh, defense actually played pretty well. They held up. If you want to count that garbage time touchdown, feel free. But the reality is they held them to basically 23 points. It was the play of the offense that was really surprising because they didn't really have a lot of turn. Chip Lindsey leaves, but I don't know how much of a, a deal that is uh, outside of Ryan O'Keefe not being there. I felt like the offense would play a lot better, and it, w- it, was, it was shocking to see that they were just unprepared and or JRP is still injured and not able to, to get some stuff going there. Um, so that was my biggest takeaway. I figured defensively this could be a shootout. I was not expecting us to put another 13-burger on the board offensively this week. What about you, Andy? What are your takeaways from this loss? No, I, I think definitely that we saw a lot of bright spots from some of the young guys. You know, we definitely saw a lot of mistakes out there, but we saw some flashes of, of some of the, you know, the Henderson brothers playing out there. Um, you know, young D linemen getting to play a little bit more than they would normally. And then offensively, two drives really stick out in my mind. It's one, it's the fumble drive that we had in the second quarter where we're driving on them. It's second and one. We have a 14-yard run. We fumble the ball, give it back. And then in the third quarter, we got the ball on the plus 34-yard line, and we weren't able to score. Uh, I think we won. I think we went for it on fourth down, and that was the one that came up just a yard short. And those were really two killer drives where we probably should have gotten points on both of those, and instead they end up capitalizing on the backside. Well, head coach Gus Malzahn met the media in Annapolis, Maryland, for about six minutes post-game and talked about quarterback John Rice Plumlee's performance and the Knights' offense versus Duke. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you look, it's, it's a whole body uh, of work as far as offense. You know, we had some new faces on offense and some, some you know, guys. So, you know, hey, we didn't we only scored 13 points. I think it's all of us. I mean, we just didn't get it done offensively. Well, sums it up, but uh, a lot of fingers being pointed at Coach Malzahn today, Adam. Yeah, it just felt, I mean, I don't want to be that guy that comes out and makes a, a, a statement I can't back up. It just felt like we we weren't prepared, right? It just felt like the game plan wasn't very uh, fluid. I know during the watch along, Andy mentioned that, you know, we were obviously a heavy RPO team throughout the year. And you did not see a lot of RPO, which either says potentially JRP just wasn't healthy and they knew he couldn't pull the ball and, and really run it if he had to. Um, it seemed like a very vanilla game plan. Um, didn't seem like there was any sort of... Uh, um, you know, maturation from what we saw from Tulane to here. Uh, and so I think that that was the most disappointing part. It just felt like we weren't, you know, we, we weren't uh, necessarily um, going with all of our best weapons uh, and what would be the final game of the year. Now, Andy, you diagram plays, you and Adam get together on a week to week basis and, and look at the season. Uh, you've got to play on offense uh, to, to talk about tonight. Um, I, you know, I think it's in general, it's one of those things where, yeah, Adam kind of hit the nail on the head. We started out throwing the ball, probably something that, uh, fans like to see, but that's not something where maybe necessarily that's the strength of the team and strength of the offense. Um, overall though, you know, we did make a few changes that just kind of weren't maybe normally our bread and butter. Some of our guys, RJ Harvey didn't have as many touches as we probably would have liked to have seen in the second quarter. Um, for one reason or another, we replaced the left tackle. Uh, you know, we, we subbed out Grable and we put in Paul Rubel for the remainder of the game. And I'm not sure if that was injury related or if that was just part of the game plan. So there's a few different things, I think, that just uh, 
you know, we, we were calling changeup calls in a game where, you know, maybe it's exhibition. Maybe it's, maybe that's just how they were viewing it. Uh, Adam, any plays to show uh, while Andy uh, breaks some things down for us? Uh, yeah, the plays are, are not loading just yet, Trey. So we'll have to, we'll have to move around that. Gotcha. Well, perhaps uh, it, they, yeah. I can I can give you the narration. Not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just uh, we'll just skip through the show now. Uh, that, that's the, that's the summary and the long off season of what's going to be talking about who's QB one, and we get asked those questions in the mailbag. I don't know if you can roll the the soundbite from quarterback John Rice Plumley post game, uh, asked about his first year as UCF starting quarterback and how he ends this soundbite. It's interesting. There's good and there's bad, uh, but there's a lot of work to be done in the offseason um, to become a better quarterback, uh, to, to be able to lead this team next year. And um, I'm looking forward to, to sharpening edges and, and uh, being the best player I can be for this team next year. Mm. Looking ahead to 2023, of course, he'll soon be preparing for the 2023 UCF baseball season. Knights uh, begin their season February 17th, so he'll be involved in practice as it's underway. And uh, and he's got a split time. He had said in the post game that he wasn't quite sure how all of that was going to work, but that it would work out between Coach Malzahn and Coach Lovelady. That's going to be the storyline, I think, to watch uh, in spring practice is how JRP balances that. And how can he get better if he's splitting his time, Andy? That, that's definitely going to be a question, right? Um, especially if we bring in a new offensive coordinator who has kind of a little bit different feel, a little bit different um, idea of where they're projecting the offense to go next year. We brought in a lot of wide receivers right now. We need to find a way to get them the ball. And everybody's fan favorite in Tommy. And there's already a, a player who has a season under his belt in Timmy. And if one of those guys is going to step up in the spring and get the number one reps, I would think that going into fall camp, they're going to be the leader in the clubhouse to be the starter. Adam, does uh, Coach Malzahn dip into the transfer portal for QB, or has he got enough now? I, Gus Malzahn and quarterbacks available feels to me like <laughs> a guy who's had 10 drinks at the bar in his last call. Like, I just don't know if he can help himself. I feel like he's going to see Grayson McCall out there. We just saw Tanner Mordecai a couple hours ago go in the portal from SMU. He doesn't really fit Gus's system per se, but I got to <laughs> think that Gus is going to, you know, is he going to, is he going to kind of, get tempted to dip into the well and, and go one more time and try to grab a quarterback. I, I don't know. I think he probably wants to wait a little bit until he, we get this new alleged offensive coordinator that may play a role in it too. But alleged. part of me thinks, part of <laughs> me thinks he's still going through the portal every day. Like, just let me just see, let me hit refresh. Let me hit, you know, F seven and just see if anybody else popped in. And uh, I don't know if he can help himself. Well, this uh, week's show is on steroids a bit because I waited to open the mailbag and post a poll question until after the bowl game. And so my poll question, that instant fan reaction, what best sums up your assessment of this season? More than 70% said worse than I expected. Nearly everybody else said about what I expected. I had them at 10 and two. Uh, I thought they would uh, maybe find their way into that American Athletic Conference championship game, but I certainly didn't have nine and five. Uh, let's Break down this game a little bit more with uh, former UCF punter Mac Loudermilk, who uh, hops on with us on Sons of UCF Live. Mac, welcome in. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, when I was looking up your bio and saw that you were with the Knights from 14 to 18 and realized we're about to turn the calendar to 2023, I'm thinking, well, where is all this time flown? Yeah, it's flown uh, by, that's for sure. That's what somebody said that long ago. years past my time so you watched the game 
I did watch the game. I was not, not and happy. well, and what caught my eye on social media on Twitter at Mac Milk quote at some point being average can't be the standard. Do you feel that the standards have slid a bit these past few seasons? Um, I think so, but I think you know it's hard to blame the coaches just because really it's the coaches aren't the ones playing the game. Going 0 and 12 was the best thing that happened for UCF when I was there. Um, honestly, um, I think we might have gotten a feeling that we were a little bit better than what we were coming off that first Fiesta Bowl, and then uh, we just kind of thought we were going to walk through the American for the next few years until I go, until we go to the Big 12. Um, I think maybe UCF had their sights on the Big 12 too much this year, and it didn't really give the team the attention they needed to going into the season. Kind of thought it was a good Defensively, it just doesn't make sense how we started off, you know, top in the nation defensive-wise, and we end up probably bottom half of the conference after the last three or four games. And offensively, we just had too much talent to score the points that we did and leave so many opportunities uncapitalized on. Well, Mike, let's talk offense, and we'll talk about the topic everybody loves to talk about, which is obviously the quarterback play. John Rice Plumley obviously takes over the helm, plays the majority of the season. First year, really, is a full-time starter in, uh, in what, three or four years uh, since high school, probably, right? What's your assessment of what you saw from JRP from a football player's perspective, from somebody who kind of knows the game inside and out? What did you make of JRP's performance throughout the season? Just inconsistent, you know? I mean, that's the, and that's the biggest thing. As a quarterback, you got to have consistent play of, as a coach now, my biggest thing is I want to coach a kid who is consistent in what they do. I know they're going to mess up on this play and how they're going to mess up. With, uh, with John Rice Plumley, he's kind of the shot in the dark. Is he going to – how is he going to mess up this? How he messes up? Is he going to make the right read? Is he going to make the right run read? Is he going to dish it off for a four-yard pass when he has six yards to run? Just a bunch of you know, hands-in-the-air type things that you're not really too sure how he's, how he's going to play. Um and I think that's the biggest thing he's got to improve on. You know, I think for him, he should probably skip the baseball season if he knows it's going to be a full quarterback competition. He's got TC12 behind him and the kid coming in from USF. He's got a pretty stacked quarterback room. Um, I don't think his play this year leads up to him being a sure fire and coming starter going the next season. I, mean, I think there's a fire. There should be a fire under his seat that he has to improve and get better to build upon because this offense has so many – talented skill players to, to score 13 points in the bowl game. Andy? Sorry about that. I was on mute. Um, no, I think that that's definitely all spot on, just the, the inconsistencies. Uh, Matt, from your standpoint, how do you think uh, some of the wide receivers and the other skill guys are taking it in the locker room, especially if they're maybe thinking in their mind that, hey, we have another guy who can distribute the ball a little bit better to us? Uh, at the end of the day, you know, that's, that just comes down to being a good teammate, having good camaraderie. You know, there's always going to be things that aren't going to go their way, especially wide receiver. You know, you, a good receiver thinks they should get the ball every time the, the snap is uh, starts. So, I mean, every receiver wants the ball, but you just have to trust and know that, you know, trust that John is going through his reads and making the right decisions. Um, is that going to happen all the time? Maybe not. But uh, ultimately, you've got to have trust in your teammates. Know that, you know, there's a bigger picture and everything. You know, it's not just going to be sitting around you. Um, maybe it'll be your game one time, and next week it's someone else's. Um, but at the end of the day, that's just that's how it's got to be. you got to have that trust and that and that belief in the guy next to you and the guy in the back where you're going to make the right decisions and pull the trigger when you're supposed to. 
uh, UCF moving on to the Big 12. Has that P5 mentality set in now that this bowl game really doesn't matter? But a year ago, of course, beating Florida really did matter. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that that's not the mindset now of these kids. Uh, I think when you only have really, what, three bowl games actually matter now, the semifinals and the, the finals, um, I think that kind of dilutes everything. So hopefully when we get more of the playoff games and more of the bowl games actually start mattering, then that will be great. Um, you know, I really hope that even for the rest of the bowls moving forward that no one, no player really gets the mindset of this game doesn't matter. Um for me, personally, I treated every game like it was my last game. Um, I never wanted to take a snap for granted. Normally, I only have about five or six a game, including PATs and holds. Um, so, I mean, I really hope that's not the mindset of the kids going out there and saying that this game doesn't matter when really you know, there's a, thousands of kids who would give their, their leg to be in their spots and have that opportunity that they have. Mac, I'm going to go back to the defense for a second. You said, uh, obviously, UCF started off the year uh, with a you know a top defense, particularly in the red zone. In the last five games, it really kind of slid. How does that happen? In your in your professional opinion, what you know about sports, what you saw with from from this defense, what do you think happens to, that has a defense take that big of a backslide towards the end of the year? Uh, I would have, the biggest thing I have to say is probably just lack of preparation, lack of execution. Um, know your assignment. Know your know your. Uh, Know what you're supposed to do on every play. Know your reads. Know your keys, and then react. Um, you know when you when you start thinking and start having to slow down and making sure you're making the right reads. So just reacting to what you see, then that's that's where the big plays happen uh, ultimately. And especially on defense, it's see ball, get ball. You don't have time to to pitter patter, to chop your feet, look see where the ball is. You got to see if that guard pulls. If you're a linebacker, then I got to insert or I got to fill that gap. Um, if number two releases vertical, I know I got to be over the top of him if I'm a safety. Uh, you got to know your assignments, your keys, your reads and everything, and then just go react and go play football. Don't be afraid to mess up. Well, Mike, I got to ask the follow-up to that, that the fan related follow-up question. So this is just crazy fan mind is we play that game against Tulane literally 12 hours later, two starters on the team have like professional graphics done announcing their transfer out of UCF. Do you think there's anything to the transfer portal era? And some of these guys may be thinking ahead that that may lead them to potentially not be as focused in some of those final games? Do you buy into that theory at all? Yeah, I mean, if you ever have a thought that you want to transfer midseason, especially during the conference championship game, then just don't dress out and show up in the locker room. Just go ahead and leave because you're already whomping out the door if you're having those you know, that thought anyway. Um, you know, to me, you know, see it, kick rocks. Don't, don't bother dressing out. Don't bother going to practice. Don't waste the coach's time. Don't waste the player's time. If you're committed to UCF and making UCF the best program they can be, then you shouldn't have any thoughts about transferring during the season. Whatever happens after the, the bowl game and everything, that's fine. Go do whatever you want to. But when it's UCF football season, your mind should be on UCF football and not thinking about the grass is green or somewhere else. If that's the case, kick rocks. We don't need you. Yeah, Matt, to that point, um, from your standpoint, back as a player again, could you feel or could you notice when coaches then were going for interviews and they were out of the building a little bit more and maybe they were looking at their next opportunity? Uh, with, with Frost, not really. That's the thing. We we I was part of the uh, Unity Council that year, um, the, the Peach Bowl year, uh, the, the group of leaders and everything. But we, we, ha we had an idea of what was going on just because of we all had social media. We all have – we can see the, the Twitter rumblings and the rumors and everything. But uh, he went about it as professionally as possible. I mean, we didn't know that he had that meeting 
in Temple. At least I didn't know. Um, he he came every day, lunch lunch pail in his hand, hard hat on, ready to work for UCF. I mean, he was getting two hours of sleep, recruiting for Nebraska, and coming back and coaching UCF during the bowl game because he wanted to finish what he started. Um, as as just one speaks volumes about him, the kind of coach and the kind of man he is. But I mean, you know, it's just he handled it the right way, and we never really, I never noticed the change in attitude and coaching staffs or anything like that if they're on their way out. Let's talk special teams a little bit. UCF began this season with seniors, uh, kicker Daniel Obarski and punter Andrew Osteen, and then a couple games in, turn it over to freshmen, albeit a 25-year-old freshman and punter Mitch McCarthy. Uh, what do you make of him uh, as uh, as that Aussie punter style? I mean, me personally, I don't I don't jive with the rollout Aussie style. I, mean, I get why people do it. And everything is kind of a competitive advantage. If you have a guy who can roll out and give your team time to get downfield and cover, um, I think it's kind of a slap in the face of the punter because you're pretty much telling him that we don't trust you enough to get the ball in that air for four and a half seconds of hang time at 40 yards downfield. So instead, we're going to have you roll out and uh, kind of buy us some time. Or we don't we don't feel comfortable in our protection scheme to block for you well enough. So we're going to, just like a quarterback, what if they're getting heavy pressure on them, we're going to move you and move the pocket just so the blitz can't get home. Um, you know, he, he did his job. He did what he was supposed to do. I hate it for Andrew. I thought he was going to have a really good season. Um, I want to see him finish up as a UCF Knight. Uh, I hope he has the best best of luck and best career at a Mississippi State as he could have. Um, you know, he's a good friend, close close teammate. Wish all the best for him, and I hope Mitch McCarthy kills it as well. Mac, this year we also saw what we believe will be the final war on I-4 game for a long time. Obviously, you had a chance to play in a bunch of these games in your time at UCF. What are your thoughts on that rivalry coming to an end, and would you like to see UCF and the Cows figure out a way to continue to play each other? Absolutely. I mean, I think that that rivalry is is great. Um, with them being, what, two hours, if that, away, um, I think it's a great, great rivalry, great atmosphere no matter – what their record is at the end of the year. That's always a great game. They always play us hard. Um, you know, I think if they can find a way to make this rivalry last with us moving into the Big 12, then by all means do it because there's no one else in that big. I know Cincinnati is a big rival force and a rival force and everything like that. But uh, I just think there's something about in-state rivalries. Um, Georgia and Georgia Tech make it happen. Florida and Florida State make it happen. Alabama and Auburn make it happen. Um I just think that it's too good of a game and it's too good of an atmosphere to totally leave behind. Yeah, having said that, moving to the Big 12, uh, who are you most excited to see us start to play? Um, you know, I know that Oklahoma and Texas are going to be moving on to the SEC, but we kind of have a new shaped Big 12. And is there anybody that you're specifically looking at? Not really. I just want to – I'm curious about – I want to I want to know how big of a leap it's going to be from the American to the Big 12. Um, you know, just thinking about the games that we played, we didn't really see that big of a difference from the, the Power Five teams that we played during the regular season compared to the SEC. And granted, Auburn had a little bit more size on the offensive line and defensive line. That was really the only that was the only team that stood out to me that was different from us physically and just looking across the sidelines. Like, okay, there's some big old boys over there a little different. Um, I don't think there's really one of those teams that is going to catch us off guard like that in the Big 12. 
I just think the the overall the speed and the depth will be the biggest thing to overcome in this first couple of years in that league. Let's uh, catch up with you on and off the field. You're still pursuing opportunities as a punter, right? You had a tryout with the new XFL. Had a tryout with them. Um, went well. Uh, you know, I thought I did well enough to to get a, a draft pool invite, but so far nothing. Um, it's a supplementary draft on New Year's Day, I believe. And uh, but if, if that if nothing happens with that, then I think I'm going to hang the old cleats up and just focus on coaching, focus on being a father. Yeah, you opened the door on that second one. Congratulations! How has the family uh, coming together there for you? Appreciate it. It's going good. Uh, first Christmas is really good. She's about to turn nine months old on the 31st of this month. Um, been a heck of a learning curve, that's for sure. Uh, but the baby's healthy, mama's healthy. We're just ready to get on this new year. Mac, it looks like you have some pretty nice memorabilia behind there. I see a UCF helmet. I see some trophies. I see a Gator helmet, though, also on the shelf. Can you explain that one? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a signed Tim Tebow Gator helmet. I got it for my 16th birthday, I think, back in Valdosta. I was a huge Tebow fan. Uh, love what he stands for. Love his work ethic and his drive and his determination. Um, I think he got gypped in the NFL, to be honest. If, uh, if Trey Lance can be an NFL quarterback, so can Tebow. But, uh, yeah, big Tebow fan. Um, that's, that's really all it is. And it looks like is – that, is that a game ball in between those two? And do, do you know what you got that game ball for? Uh, that ball is from the Peach Bowl, actually. We all got signed memorabilia balls that we all went around and signed um, at the game. I have – below that, you can't see it. I have a ball signed by Nick Saban and Trent Richardson, and I think one from Mark Rick as well. And any George O'Leary autographs back there? No, <laughs> autographs. No, I got this. I got the shirt I have on right now is from my freshman year. Away. It's about the only uh, George O'Leary memorabilia I have for me. All right, we'll work on that for you, Ace. <laughs> well, when we invited you on, Mac, you know, it was part of that was your uh, your Twitter post yesterday, and and Adam said, you know, you know I think uh, Mac will be forthcoming, and you never know whether the guest will match what they say on social media, but you certainly have been candid. We hope to have you back on Sons of UCF Live. Absolutely. Anytime you guys want me, let me know. All right. We'll take you up on that. Congratulations on the family. Appreciate it. Thank you all. All right. Happy New Year, Mac. Ah, right, Adam? Would he be candid? Kick rocks. <laughs> I like that. It's funny. So it's funny. He's the second player in that era. We talked to Titus Davis, obviously, a few weeks back, and he had the same sort of you know mindset around if you're not all in, then get then get all out, right? And and so it's kind of interesting to see kind of that that group of player, which to your point, Trace, I don't consider those guys old, right? Uh, but I mean Did you realize that he'd been gone? I, Four I did seasons? not know no. when you actually you send me the rundown and you put 14 to 18 and I actually had to, I fact checked you I was like that can't be right <laughs> I looked it and up I swear he played at 2020 that can't be right uh they looked it up and and turns out this time you were actually right but it's interesting to hear kind of that that you know that that team that era all saying and, and Titus said the same thing to us like we brought it and bought in as a brotherhood and nobody was leaving that because we cared about each other and it's so funny that we're, we're three four five years later how much that's changed already in college football it's, it's definitely definitely tough to think about but uh, always always good to hear the perspectives of people who have done it before and been in locker rooms and can kind of share some of that insight andy i thought your question was interesting too right the focus is on players and kicking rocks but certainly coaches are out there looking around oh former defensive coordinator travis williams comes to mind yeah i mean you know we talked about a drop-off maybe in offense and defense towards the end of the year and just compared to we knew the ceilings for both sides of the ball were very very high and obviously the floor became very, very low for us these last few weeks. Um, so kind of that question of, yeah, 
if the players are all 100% in, are the coaches all also 100% in? And I think that's something where, obviously, from Mac's perspective, they've seen a, they've seen a coach do it, and that's kind of why I just wanted to understand from his standpoint, you know, how did they feel as far as preparation and how they felt going into maybe their final games, conference championship game and the bowl game. Well, the bowl game, the UCF loss to Duke in the military bowl, doesn't have to be the last time you see some uh, former Knights uh, at the Bounce House participating in the upcoming Hula Bowl on January 14th. Isaiah Bowser, Kimor Gamble, Sam Jackson, Alex Ward, Devon Wilson, and yours truly has been uh, given some tickets uh, to give away. I thought you were saying you were going to participate in the Hula Bowl for a second, no, Trace. I was no. like, whoa, <laughs> no, it's not. breaking news. Okay. And Andy, I, I know I need to get uh, a, a guy uh, some tickets for you. I have those set aside. Uh, direct message me. Uh, if you're interested in going high noon, January 14th, I'll post it on social media as well. I've got some tickets as long as I have them. I will uh, get them out to you. So uh, direct message me at SignPez on Twitter, and I'll get those tickets to you. They are in my account to, to transfer. So that's coming up January 14th. Chance to see some nights. Uh, last year, KZ made a splash there. Uh, no doubt these former Knights will be uh, more than willing to sign autographs and such, so bring your memorabilia as well. Uh, last night out at uh, the men's basketball game, Knights get off to a positive start in conference play. Uh, not a high-scoring affair, 52-45 over Wichita State. Knights now 1-0. and uh, Guard Darius Johnson uh, with uh, 15 points in this game. He had a pair of clutch free throws late in that game. Um, physicality kind of knocked us back just a little bit, but – and it was actually the rush let us play through it. So I feel like that was great. You know, I love games like that where it's not the game's not stopped as much based on foul calls. We had to play through it and get tough. So you didn't have many attempts, but the ones you had went in, especially right there in that last minute. Yeah, I mean the shot clock was winding down and I knew that we were in the bonus, so I had to make something happen. I didn't see anyone else open, so I just had to take matters in my own hand, get to the foul line. I feel like I'm a pretty good free throw shooter, so close the game out. Six of six from the free throw line. Let's talk about it a little more with our man that was on the scene with me out at the arena. Leo Rodriguez joins us now on Sons of UCF Live. Leo, welcome in. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. You know, I put you through the ringer the last 24 hours, haven't I? Uh, we yeah, we I mean, debuted yeah. a new segment on the uh, Suns YouTube channel today, your little wrap of the game, and and you've been writing articles for twonightsmedia.com. How has things been in Suns world these last couple of weeks? I mean, uh, I've learned a lot with you guys. Um, I mean, I appreciate you guys, you know, taking me under your wing and, you know, um, writing these articles. It's been a bit, it's been a fun basketball season to watch uh, thus far. Um, and, of course, I'm here to break down uh, the, the recap of last night's game and uh, going forward. And, uh, well, as Andy well knows, you know, when you invite somebody on, they kind of make themselves comfortable. They hang around for a while. They become part of the – oh, I described myself when you guys invited me on as a guest one time, and I just I just stayed. So, Leo, all right, 52-45, uh, what were your big takeaways from this game? Uh, I think the number one takeaway from the game has to be um, just getting that first win in conference play. Uh, it's important. That would have just not been good, you know, getting uh, – being 0-1 conference play, uh, then having to go to Houston, you know, um, starting out the with the right uh, foot forward. Um, uh, I think another thing is uh, the defensive display, man. It, it, this team, this team is true identity is defense, and uh, and this is what we're gonna get for the rest of the season. And and you can bet on Coach Dawkins and and the players uh, to get uh, the things done on the defensive side of the ball. Um, 
I think another uh, another takeaway I gotta uh, I gotta say is it's Darius Johnson in his play. I think he's gonna be the leader of this uh, of this uh, uh, ball team. Um, I mean, it's, he's uh, he's an exceptional uh, point guard. I think he's the the floor very well, and uh, he's he's the true leader. And you know, we got some uh, young ones like Taylor Hendricks, who's an exceptional uh, basketball player, but. Um, having guys like Darius, uh, which is his roommate, by the way, uh, is gonna it's gonna help him a lot. So, uh, look out for Darius Johnson to be the the number one star on the, on the team moving forward. Yeah, Leo, I want to stay on Darius Johnson for a second. I'm going to make a shameful admission. UCF starts off the season pretty well. Uh, Darius was on the bench. Jalen Young was a starting point guard. UCF wins a couple of games early on. And I, in my mind, I was thinking, like, man, maybe maybe Jalen Young runs the offense better than Darius Johnson. Maybe that's a switch we should make. Turns out I was dead wrong. It seems definitely that the offense runs differently, runs better, more efficiently through Darius Johnson. What have you seen in the difference from UCF pre-Darius playing and since he's been on the court now the last couple of weeks? Yeah, so uh, I think Jay, I think Jalen Young is a great point guard. Uh, don't get me wrong, he's uh, but I think Darius brings a different, uh, I think energy and uh, just passing ability. I would say uh, helps Darius a lot, and uh, the attacking the, the rim, they can both do that well. But it's it's the passing game, um, getting teammates involved. Uh, I saw UCF struggle a little bit with you know uh, uh, getting the ball to to open players with Jalen, but. I mean, I think ever since Darius has come on, uh, I, it feels like the offense is kind of clicking a little bit better. Um, and I think that's what Coach Dawkins wanted, you know, to have Darius come on and, and be that uh, solid point guard uh, moving forward. And, you know, luckily we have him back from injury and uh, we're, we're looking to make some noise in conference play with Darius. Yeah, uh, having said that, you know, we – Defensive team, we kind of shifted a little bit with the point guard already. Do you think at this point in the season going into conference play that everybody knows what their assigned role is? Or do you think that we're still trying to feel that out a little bit about who's going to be doing what, who's taking the last shot, everything like that? Yeah, Coach Dawkins even said it last uh, last night in the presser. He, uh, he's uh, trying to still get people to understand uh, what he wants from them. Um, and he thinks that he's getting there. He thinks that he's getting there, but – um, it has taken some time for sure, and that goes with all the transfers. Obviously, you know, Ethel Horton come from Pitt. Um, other players just, you know, transferring in, and I think uh, I think that they're getting there. And um, halfway, I would say halfway through conference play, which is a good uh, point to be at, I think the team is going to know, you know, who's going to be taking that last shot, uh, who, the, who the man is for, uh, you know, to, to guard one-on-one on the defensive end. And uh, so, yeah. In the articles you've been uh, writing for two nights, media.com for the Suns, you've been high on the defense and you have all the statistical data. Here's my question for you. How confident are you in the Knights' offense? They hold Wichita state to 45, but they only score 52. Uh, that doesn't seem like it's going to be what you need to beat Houston. Number three, Houston on the road Saturday. Yeah. So, I think their defense, like you said, it's exceptional. It's it's an amazing um, unit that they have on defense. But once you start going to scoring droughts, which is which is a theme I've seen from from UCF this uh, season, it's going to be tough to uh, get themselves, you know, in the win column if you're going through scoring droughts against conference opponents uh, 
every night, you know, you got to really start um, hunkering down on, you know, how do you know, how do, how do we make our offense more efficient and uh, how we can get out those scoring droughts? Cause you know, runs are going to happen. Uh, Coach Dawkins makes it very clear runs will happen, but it's, it's about really uh, hunkering down on, on the offensive side of the ball and, you know, figuring it out, how to get, how to get, out of those us uh, uh, out of those uh, scoring droughts because we got we got players that can score the ball, man. We have Taylor Hendricks is such a such a force uh, in the paint too. Um, Ethel Horton is just a straight shooter. Uh, Brandon Suggs can shoot the ball, so we have a lot of offensive talent. I think it, it's gonna take a little bit of more time, but uh, I think they'll get it done. I think they will. Houston won at Tulsa last night. 89 to 50. Just keep that in perspective as the Knights travel to Houston. Yeah. yeah. So I've actually watched a little bit of film on Houston and, uh, and what they got to offer. And uh, it, it's not looking pretty in the statistics. Uh, you know, Houston's got great defense. I mean, they're holding their opponents at 32 on, on average, 32% field goal percentage. So, it's uh it's gonna be tough to, to score on Houston, and uh, I feel like our defense has to play their A game tomorrow. I mean, they cannot allow any easy buckets. I think that's gonna be the first one. No easy buckets for Houston, and uh, they'll have a chance and they'll keep it close. But uh, it's gonna be hard to say that they'll you know they'll win. So Adam Leo's watching film. He's he's giving Andy that. a little run yeah. for his money there. He's watching some film. I'll take care of the basketball, Andy. You got basketball. <laughs> That works out perfectly. So, Leo, if I have one concern about our offense, is that CJ Kelly appears to have a little bit of touch of Darius Perryitis, which is he's never met a shot he didn't like. Do you have any concerns offensively about about the the scheme the Knights are running, or or uh, some of the things they may do um, from an offensive standpoint? Yeah, so I I feel like they play a lot of small ball, even though they do have Michael Durr out there. Um, I don't see them running a lot of pick and roll which is, uh, you know, it's not concerning. Maybe that's what Coach Dawkins wants. But I think maybe Coach needs to open up a little bit of uh, – be a little bit more free with his offensive, you know, uh, scheme. And, and uh, I think it will get there if he, if he gets comfortable with the players. You know, as I said, their transfers are new, so they're still gelling. If he gets comfortable with the players, I feel like he'll, he'll, he'll open up a little bit more and uh, – and have, you know, Darius maybe go ISO. You know, I still have yet to see a little bit of an ISO, you know, where you give it to your best offensive player, boom, take it to the to, to the rim, you know, find an open shot. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they're working on distributing the ball a lot. I see that, that they're improving in the assist column. But, the uh, but yeah, I feel like Coach Dawkins will, will uh, make a decision on if he wants to open up the offense or not. Yeah, uh, knowing that we do have probably the most high-profile basketball player we've had since, you know, one of the most high-profile players we've had in at least the past few years, uh, is that causing any sort of, um, I don't know, I don't want to call it a distraction, but is that on people's mind, thinking any one-and-done, that type of situation going on? I honestly don't see that being a distraction within the uh, basketball team. I mean, they look pretty focused, even Taylor himself, you know, there is no, you know, oh, this guy's, you know, a first rounder. There's no talk. I don't hear any talk of, of that going on. Um, even though I, I itch myself, I itch to ask Taylor, hey, like, 
you know, about the noise, you know, you see all these mock drafts, you know, how do you feel, you know, but I, I don't sense that energy. I think that Taylor's very focused on the season. I think the players are focused on the season. Uh, They know that Taylor is a exceptional talent and they want to get everything out of him. So that's how I see it. Ah, you got to ask that question in a post-game presser at some point, Leo. Let's wrap up with this little something that the Suns do on their pod, a little rapid fire. Let's get to know you a little bit better. You're majoring in Spanish, minoring in journalism. My first rapid fire question is going to be, do you want Dylan Gabriel back at quarterback if you could? <laughs> oh, uh, I've actually watched the first half of that uh, um, Oklahoma FSU game. He's not a bad quarterback, but I think – you know, it's in the past. I think Dalen Gabriel's in the past. You know, I'm not going to cry for him, you know. Um, but it would have been nice to have him this year. I'll just say that. <laughs> Are we all doing these rapid fire? Tra- yeah, I didn't, yeah, we didn't practice. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. we didn't practice. No, we're just ad-libbing. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Leo, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Ooh, superpower. Um, invisibility. Mm. Invisibility, yeah, for sure. Stealth, Leo, yeah. If you yes, could Pick uh, one basketball player to play on the football team and one football player to play on the basketball team. Who would you either? Ooh, that's a really uh, nice. Andy comes in with this rapid fire. Oh, Look at I that. think he knows how the game works. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. You know what? I'm going to go gamble to play for the basketball team. Kamori Gamble, I actually uh, I got the opportunity to meet Kamori uh, when I was at Florida because I transferred um, – Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, bury the whoa. lead here. Whoa. <laughs> yes, yes, we uh, just had Mac Laudermilk with a gator helmet behind him. Do we need to look around your room there? Is a gator paraphernalia up there? Oh, uh, no, gator, no, just okay, uh, just a Knicks, just a Knicks hat. We I, left this uh, out of the bio on twonightsmedia.com. We left this reference, out. yeah, but um, yeah, so you know, I have some gator history, but that's uh, no hard feelings here. Um, uh, and for basketball, man, got to be Taylor Hendricks. I put him at whiteout, to be honest. <laughs> I put him at whiteout. Did you like him in the headband last night against Wichita State? Yeah, very stylish. Uh, I like, you know, personally, if I were a basketball player, I'd wear a headband. So uh, I like the headbands. And, and the, so. All right, I challenge you. Sunday, January 8th, when they're back home, headband, post game. Throw off Taylor and Coach Dawkins. You. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that one. Maybe not. Uh, Leo Rodriguez on. at Leonardo X Omar on Twitter. Follow him. Check out his articles on twonightsmedia.com and go to our Sons of UCF YouTube channel right now. Subscribe and watch his uh, first video recap from the win over Wichita State. That's up there right now. Leo, thanks for being with us on Sons of UCF Live. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Leo. Gator information. Uh, Andy, you, you, weren't, you weren't a Gator at any point, were you? Did we need to reveal this now? No, no, not at all. Okay. So that's, uh, I don't know. That is weird, though. Two back-to-back in the same week. Yeah. I feel bad, Trace. I forgot. Yesterday, I had my spin the wheel questions. I could have asked um, Leo one of these, and I uh, completely forgot about it. Uh, what was fun about spin the wheel is that every time you spun it, it landed on something you already yeah. asked. Uh, yeah. And then, I, was it Andy or somebody? So just ask something else on the list. You're like, no, no, we're going to spin the wheel. Uh, we're going right, to spin Trace, the wheel. Give me, give me a number real quick. Hold on, give me a number. 17. Oh, all right. This is a great question. If the transfer portal and free one-time transfer rule 
was in effect in 2017, is UCF where it is today? <laughs> mm. You should have, you should have picked number 12, which was what's the capital of North Dakota? <laughs> Bismarck. That is correct. Okay. That one was easier. Um, I think the chemistry was right that I don't think those guys would have would have bounced out of there like that. I guess the, so. the hardest thing would be just, you know, who had the film to have a good transfer opportunity out there. You look at teams right now, like, uh, you know, USF has definitely had some players who flashed on film, but not all their guys have the opportunity to move on to greener pastures. You know, some of those guys are going to have to stay put or take a step back. Uh, same thing, you know, you look at like FIU or UMass, teams that are kind of struggling. So I, that I don't know if, uh, you know, making that transition, going from 0-12 to all of a sudden now you go undefeated. Who knows? Well, I think that what's interesting is the natural pipeline to uh, to Nebraska. So uh, on a previous Suns episode, we had the late, great Otis Anderson on the show, and we talked about that. And he said, hey, I consider Nebraska, but A, it's cold, and B, I didn't want to sit out a year. So uh, I, I just, as I see a bunch of, of schools losing talent now, I always wonder will UCF be where we are today if that transfer option was open in 2017. But you are correct, Trace Bismarck, capital mm-hmm. of uh, North Dakota. Got that one. Just to wrap on men's basketball, Saturday, New Year's Eve, they are at Houston, two o'clock. That'll be on ESPN Plus. They remain on the road Wednesday, January 4 at ECU at seven o'clock before returning home against SMU. I think beating number three Houston on the road is a tall task. Split the road games, win at home, and uh, maybe you finish yourself there in the top three in this league, right? Houston's got that, it's going to win the league uh, in all likelihood. So you're playing for two or three. Yeah. Uh, women's I, basketball. I think, yeah. I, I'm sorry. On Houston, let's just not play scared. I, I want to see at least play our game, you know, make <laughs> shots, take shots. Don't play scared. If you lose, you lose. But I don't want to see us kind of cow down to, uh, um, uh, to what we're going to see. Uh, from Houston, I I don't Trace. I don't know what to do here. I've got a I've got a dilemma, um, and I guess I, there's no other way to to handle this dilemma but to just do this. Boy, that really bad. I don't know what the dilemma is. What is the dilemma? Is this UCF, Austin Lyons? UCF, UCF Mike is here. Oh, whoa. We can't hear. There's Mike. Mike, uh, Mike uh, Andy's just dropped in. He's not filling in. <laughs> Uh, for you, so take no offense. Oh, he's ice skating. Oh, he yeah. sucks. Is he in Rockefeller Plaza? Ice skating. I think he might be like. in Rockefeller. Yeah, it looks like it's in Rockefeller. He looks happy though. All right, good talk, Mike. All right, <laughs> you see, have Mike. Andy, you've watched the show. This is about the time where Mike's like that anyway. So yeah, exactly. you know, he's not as engaged. How about that, Leo? Looking at film, this—he's right. Andy raised the bar now uh, on, <laughs> on folks. Uh, around the kingdom, real quick, just before we went on, women's basketball closes out the non-conference schedule. They beat Texas Southern 92-67. They are nine and three. They open up conference play at SMU Tuesday at eight o'clock. So, City of Messer in her first year put together nine and three non-conference schedule. A tough loss, big blowout to uh, Auburn and. And Tennessee, I think they lost to Seton Hall as well. But I think she'll take nine and three as she tries to put together a lot of new faces on that team. Be interesting to see uh, how they do in conference play. Baseball, right around the corner with, hey, your favorite quarterback in mind, John Rice Plumley for the Knights. But AAC preseason coaches ball has UCF in third behind ECU and Houston. All conference team, pitchers Kyle Kramer and Ben Vespi. It's that time of the week again. 
My, fa- my favorite sounder of all time. It's that time again. Let's open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. It's never going to not make it enough. Do you think that this could become a sponsored segment where if you throw in a few dollars uh, to the Suns that you could get to do that? I mean, we're not continuing this with Brian, are we? For 2023? I mean, the, this is the last episode for this, right? The sound. The check, the check keeps clearing. I, don't, I mean, I figured until it doesn't, I'm just going to... He gave me his direct I, deposit. It keeps coming. I mean, so what do you mean to do? I missed that. <laughs> Any video questions? We do have one from our good friend, uh, Two Letters, Two Words. Hey, boys, Two Letters, Two Words here with a question. I'm here in Vatican City on Christmas Eve, and the question is, recently at a press conference, Gus kind of hinted that he might be turning over the reins of play calling to somebody. Is that really an early Christmas gift, or is it going to be like the Red Rider BB gun that never appears? Thanks. Good night. Charge on. He's at Vatican City. He's over at Universal Studios in the back lot. Come on now. Backdrop. <laughs> Jeez. Told, a, lot of, a lot of people dropping locations and all sorts of things. We actually have some questions about this. A uh, uh, couple of questions. Uh, Brian Peterson. Does Gus give up play calling next year like he has hinted at just recently uh, at the JC Morning? If Gus is going to hire a new OC, will he hire somebody and let them lead the offense or just call the plays he tells them to call? Uh, Adam, what do you think? I, I am very skeptical, uh, unless pressured by Athletics Director Terry Mahajer, that Gus is willingly giving up like calling. I just find this hard to believe. I think willingly would be the key word there. Um, I, but I think the bigger question, and I'll let Andy opine on this, is if you bring in a new offensive coordinator slash play caller, is that person calling his own plays and his own system? Or is that person calling Gus's plays from Gus's system? I think that's a really big distinction. Uh, and, and I think that maybe that, that factors into who's willing to take the job. I'm curious what Andy thinks on, on calling your set of plays, your system versus somebody else's. Yeah, I think whoever does come in, they're going to have to learn the Gus terminology. They're going to have to learn exactly how he numbers things, what he calls everything. Very similar to how Nick Saban's staff is on offense and defense. They have turnover every few years with their coordinators, and every time somebody new comes in, they have to learn how he calls things. So you might call something right, and they call it left or vice versa. Um, But either way, they're going to try to get everybody on the same page. Having said that, though, yeah, the question is, does the pressure lead to him actually giving up full control of, you know, is this going to be a rundown or a pass down? That will be, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think that will be very interesting leading into spring if we don't have a starting quarterback or if we're looking for a new starting quarterback and we are trying to meld a new offensive system. What was that last comment, by the way, Adam? Can you scroll? Was that Dolly Drama's? Yeah, Russ Walzon. <laughs> Russ Walzon is the name. <laughs> Andy, for for us, us, us lay, you know, football folks, how how much change can actually come from changing play callers? Right, we've all said like, ah, I have somebody else call plays. From an actual, you know, uh, game perspective, how much difference, how much change can actually come from that? I think um, a lot of the philosophy is going to change just as far as what your what your 
route tree is offensively from the wide receiver standpoint, the depth. Um, you're also going to look at different things like on second down and third down. Uh, second down, are you trying to get the first down on second or are you just trying to get half the yard? Say it's second and eight. Are you going for nine yards or are you going for four yards? And, uh, you know, this year, a lot of the time, it seems like we were okay getting into those third and short situations. We felt comfortable running in those third and short areas. But you might see, a, a, say, a Mike Leach, for example, rest in peace. Um, they were going to air it out. It didn't really matter if it was fourth and two. They were probably putting the ball in the air. So I think that's where you just see a lot of those differences. I like that question on screen right now from UCF Realist. Should the cheese it Bowl, which is in the waning moments there in the fourth quarter, all tied at 32, Oklahoma and Florida State, should that be UCF's destination bowl next year? I think they'd love to have them. They got a good crowd at the Citrus Bowl uh, in downtown Orlando right now with Florida State uh, there. At MPT Nest 4, Simple question. This is his official question, but why? I'm not sure if he's referencing the bowl loss or the nine and five season record. But Adam, what about but but why? Answer it either way you want there. But why? Uh inconsistency, I guess, is the why. There was a consistency in that inconsistency, right? I'm confused. Yes, <laughs> I think that is correct. Yeah, it was it was a tough one. You know, the highs were super, super high and the, um, you know, the lows were pretty low for us. And we just our middle ground wasn't necessarily there. But it's weird. You look at us statistically, offensively, we were actually pretty good. Defensively, we were pretty good. Um, but a few bad losses on the season, too, just as far as losing the Navy and getting blown out with ECU. Those two losses, I think if those were wins, that would probably change a lot of the perception, even if we did lose the conference championship and bowl game. Remember the different thing. Oh, there he is. There he is. Hello, Mike. How are things in New York? Doing good, Mike. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. Yeah, are you in Rockefeller Plaza? I am. I am. Oh, look at that. I'm, I'm I got my dog. She's been flying around the rink all night. I almost got in trouble because I did a couple triple axles. And then I didn't think that was so cool. So uh, I'm just kind of skating around normal now. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, what's the uh, capital of North Dakota? Uh, Bismarck. Wow. What an upset. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> my, my daughter had a uh, test last, uh, last year about all, right. all the capitals. So I relearned What's the weather like in the Big Apple? It's actually not bad. It's in the 40s. It's probably about 43, 45 right now. Actually, with this jacket skating around, I'm kind of warm. A little sweaty. So it's not bad at all. I thought we were hoping to see some snow. Didn't get lucky, but um, having a great time. Are you there through New Year's Eve? Will you be there in no, the uh, time now? <laughs> We're coming back tomorrow. <laughs> Lauren, uh, our friend Lauren, asking for another shot of the Christmas tree next time you pass it. Uh, she'd love to. Oh, oh very nice. That's the beauty of the ring. You're always passing the tree. It's not a very big ring. There it is. <laughs> this is this is tremendous. A live action mic. Now, so, if you got me in between videos from the last time I talked to you to now, you would have seen me fall right on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> it was the one time I fell, I was holding my wife and my daughter's hand. Don't ever lean back. As soon as you lean back, you're done. Right on my ass, and I can, I can feel it in my back all day tomorrow on the plane ride home. <laughs> Lauren thanks you for your sacrifice in showing the tree there. Uh, well, true, you have my style. I got, a, I got an IPA in my pocket. 
I think I crack this thing open here on the ice. It might kick me out. I kind of want to get kicked out because I'm done now. I did it. I've experienced it. <laughs> and uh, ready to go enjoy the rest of the night. Well, Mike, that is a great cameo. We uh, we love you dropping in from the Big Apple tonight. Hey, how about that game like yesterday, huh? Woo! Oh, basketball. We, we win. <laughs> We're a basketball school, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Men's and women's. That's what we are now. Uh, at least we got something. You'll be all ready to hand out peaches and bokas uh, when you record the next uh, episode of the Sons of UCF. All right, boys, I'm going to get out of here before I fall on my ass again. We're actually hanging on. We're keeping you on so that we can see this. Okay, cool. This is just like this. My other one daughter's flying around. The other one was scared for about the first 20 minutes, but she's got the hang of it now. There she goes over there in the brown jacket. She's flying too. Where's my wife behind her? Let's uh, pick up the speed. Let's get a little faster there. Yeah, there's not much room for that. <laughs> I'll go straight into somebody's back if I did that. Watch for Tanya Harding. You want me to do a little uh, triple lutz? Actual hit request. This is why people tune in. This is it, yeah. This is it right here. Mike, happy new year. Be safe in your travels. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you guys next year. All right. See ya. Ah, uh, that's that's tremendous right there. I would have liked to have seen him fall if I'm being honest. I would have too. I was Spin hoping. The Spin the wheel. Would you have liked to see Mike fall? Yes. I was hoping, yeah. Um, at UCF Big 12, as we go back to the questions, what drink makes the pain go away the fastest? NyQuil. Reference. <laughs> Probably a NyQuil? Oh. <laughs> Plastic tequila bottle. The cheapest thing you can find. Oh, boy. At Golden Knight underscore the second. Dude, have we seen peak UCF football with Gus at the helm? Is this as good as it gets? Nine wins? Nine and four? Nine and five? I'm gonna get optimistic Andy says no. I'll let him take this one. No, I mean, I don't I don't think so. I think this is, you know, the, the talent that we're bringing in. We started out with a, uh, a, you know, a recruiting deficiency. We've seen where our recruiting rankings have been. I think we've done a pretty good job of getting in transfers and getting in some of the new guys, keeping in some of that homegrown talent. So I think just overall, uh, we definitely have the opportunity to continue to peak. And, you know, Gus was able to do this in a uh, SEC West, which I would contend is probably the hardest conference out there in the country. And I know people like to say, oh, we lost four or five games here and there. It's like, you know, he was playing against the greatest coach ever. <laughs> I'm by, with Lauren, by the way, on the Coquito. And Lauren, if you have a recipe for that, let me know. At Blue and Gold Dude, UCF loses three of the last four, barely beat an awful Cows team heading into the Big 12. How much of this is Gus just, it's, it's his rhetoric. How much of what we're hearing is just the same Gus speak that he was saying at Auburn, Adam? Isn't that every coach, though? I mean, every coach has their talking points, and they're going to they're gonna use them whenever. Uh, I think it's really two things. One, Gus is stubborn, as most coaches are. And I think, two, he's confident in his system, and he thinks his system's going to work. He's seen it work before. And that's where I think the questions about play calling are really interesting because he clearly believes in what he's doing. Is he really going to get talked away from doing that and let someone else uh, handle the offensive duties. I think that we'll see. But I think Gus is just a stubborn old football coach, just like everybody else out there. Um, Andy, at Rejoice Nights, why did Gus burn Tommy's red shirt? 
You know that he burned it in that game against Tulane. He said in that post game after the Tulane loss that he was gonna he was gonna do good by Tommy and get him into the bowl game. And then he was asked about it in the post game. And he said, "Well, we had plays designed, but situation never presented." And they were down twenty three seven. Yeah. What was the whole point of it now? You know, unfortunately, obviously, I think that's one that he wished that he could get back. Um, having said that in the bowl game, you know, there, there was that little turning point in the early fourth quarter when it did get a little bit close and we thought we had a shot. Um, overall, though, I think just I think if he could go back and obviously not put Tommy in against SC State and kind of stop around, move around a little bit of that stuff. Yeah, I think he'll learn from that and, uh, you know, try to try to get better next year, especially as we balance out a pretty crowded quarterback room. George, Trish, you know what's funny? Yes. For somebody who says nothing at press conferences, which is Gus Malzahn, he always says something that ends up biting him in the ass. I don't know how he does it. He says nothing for eight and a half minutes. He did have, he, he likes no food ever. He doesn't have anything fun in his life, but somehow he drops, oh, we're playing Tommy this week. And it, it's always that one item that gets him in trouble. It's it was a throwaway line. And, you know, you ought to go back, maybe maybe do this little story idea for you on the, the podcast next week. Read what Gus actually said about the play calling. I'm not sure. I think we're interpreting it a little bit differently than he said it. He was very he was kind of vague about it as well. So, uh, you know, maybe he hasn't quite opened the door to that. Uh, Joyce, with another question. Uh, what will what will fans be satisfied with next season first year in the Big 12? I am lowering expectations. Mike can predict 12 and 0. I'd be happy if they go 6 and 6. Well, the question about the Cheez It Bowl, Trace, which is on right now, which is coming to an exciting conclusion here. Oklahoma, Big 12 representative, they're 6 and 6. If we're in this bowl next year and we're 6 and 6, we'll take it. That that actually might be a win. That's better than the Cure Bowl, no disrespect to the Cure Bowl, folks. Well, you just at Hugh, it does sound a little disrespectful, doesn't it? Uh, Andy, at Hugh C. Hef, after two years as head coach, Gus, 18 and nine, 67%. What word best characterizes Gus's record so far? And keep it clean. I know, I know when you're on live programs, you like to just let it fly, but this is a family hour here. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, we've said it a few times. Max said it, Adam said it. Inconsistency has really been uh, kind of the killer. Uh, you know, and I think that's probably one of the frustrating things and the reasons that you get a lot of those non-committal sound bites from Gus is we had so many turnovers this year. I mean, we were, what were we, negative 14 turnover? Didn't create up. many. We didn't create them, and we gave the ball away in a lot of key situations. A lot of times, I mean, we very well could have lost Cincinnati because of that. Um, so I think there's a lot of times when he's just almost kind of flustered this year as well, thinking, what else can I do? Trace, can I submit a word for consideration? <laughs> Keep it clean. Bizarre. Yeah. It's been a bizarre two years from the quarterback stuff with both Dylan and now obviously with JRP, transfers coming in and out play calls who's playing who's not playing it's it's just been bizarre i feel like this has been a really soap opera ish two seasons for ucf can i throw out a word that sort of i think sums up a lot of fans joyless Mm. doesn't feel like with the off the field losses uh you know jay keskock some of the super fans that we talk about uh just joyless And, and maybe we contribute to that a little bit by getting anxious about quarterback battles and things like that. But it didn't. I'm reminded by a good friend of mine, Tom James, uh, does winning feel better than losing hurts as, is a question that he likes to ask. And it always seems like the losing the angst is what drives us more than the, uh, 
than the winning. A couple of quarterback questions as we get ready to close things up. At Dikea Knight, will UCS quarterback in 2023 be Castellanos, McLean, or Risk? He leaves out JRP. And Austin Heff, who will be QB1 in 2023? By the way, a year ago in the quarterback room about this time, Dylan Gabriel, Mikey Keene, Parker Navarro, and Joey Gatewood. <laughs> right? So what will it be a year from now on on this well, show? First off, uh, well, Andrew Andrew Brito would like a word, Trace. He was there uh, as well. Sorry. <laughs> My goodness. Um, sorry. I'm going to go on. I have no information, so this is not any information. I'm going to go on a limb and say uh, our starting quarterback is not on the roster right now. Ooh. Andy? I think with the spring, I definitely think it's an open competition. Uh, the way the season went, you know, whether it's pressure from the boosters, the AD, just fans in general, uh, I, I think overall we are going to see an open and fair competition. And I think that we're going to try to play the best squad that we can in the fall. Um, and I do think it is going to be somebody different, at least for part of the year, it's going to be somebody different next year. At uh, Zeebles UCF, should UCF ditch the future of college football marketing? Absolutely, positively, and I, for one, am going to mock it if they keep slapping it on every billboard and, uh, you know, uh, marketing. Trace, hold on. You're, you're doing this question disservice. He gave us four options for replacement slog- uh, slogans. I'll read them to you. Uh, number one, a place for real football players. <sighs> Two, jet sweep you. Uh, Three, want to try being a quarterback. No experience necessary. Uh, no and recent. Four, no recent experience. Does it really matter? And number four, yeah. Gus's retirement gig. Uh, is Zeebles UCF really J.P. Gilbert? Because that last one there, I, I believe I've game. met I, I believe I've met Zebels uh, before, and and uh, he would be nothing like J uh, JP Gilbert. See, I, I by the way, I like the debunking of JP Gilbert's. Where was Gus on November 22, nineteen sixty three? Not born yet. <laughs> I was surprised by that. I actually, for some reason, I had I had Gus way older than that. I I was surprised by that. He looks a lot older after two seasons and eighteen and nine at UCF. But are we all in agreement? Enough with this. We got to turn our attention to the Big 12 and not not talk about the future of college football anymore. I still like it. I, I still like as long as we're getting under the skin of a lot of other fan bases, a lot of other teams, as long as we keep doing innovative stuff, whether it's QR codes, the billboards, um, just stuff that's getting national headlines. I think that we can still call ourselves the future of it until until we become one of the blue bloods out there. I think it's just just roll with it. I just feel like you can't call yourself the future of college football and put up 13 points against Navy. Like we, we have to figure that on field stuff before I think we can really start playing whatever it was. Hey, hey, 14 fact check, whatever. (laughs) I I, I apologize. Colton Boomer. I apologize. I slighted you a point. How about that Colton Boomer, by the way, one missed field goal on the season. And it was that 64 yard nonsense. That was another bizarro Gus. uh, Bizarre. I told you it's been a bizarre two years. How about the two-point conversion against Duke from the 19-yard throw across the uh, so Bizarre. Uh, Want to thank Mac Loudermilk for his outspoken comments. Kick rocks, you transfer portal wannabes. Uh, thinking about that. Andy, you for subbing in for UCF Mike. UCF Mike for joining us from Rockefeller Plaza. And Leo, great addition to the Suns team. Check out what he's doing on the uh, Suns YouTube channel. Subscribe, but we're getting closer to that thousand. And DM me, I see some already in my phone. Uh, DM me for hula bowl tickets. I'll get back to you just as soon as I can. We're just thanking everybody but me, Trace. Is that what's going on here? Just And, and I just throwing it out can't there. Can't thank Adam enough uh, for pushing all the buttons, editing Leo's story oh today. And 
Um, let's end with this. Uh, I really kind of want to just close out and see if Dylan Gabriel drops another <laughs> important game. We, we can, with, we can, we got 14 seconds of this tall trace. We should thank you trace as well for, uh, Oh yeah, Zach. We should thank you trace as well for all that you do. Uh, thank you. New year's resolutions. Are you a new year's resolution, uh, guy, Adam? And if so, I am, any, I am, I am not. No, I, I, I never stick to this. Andy, what about you? Okay. No, I mean, I, I'm not typically a New Year's resolution guy. I, I always do get that, um, you know, that post-Christmas. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to eat better than that. It usually lasts for a few weeks, and that's about it. So there, there's no real hard and steady rules for New Year's for me. Final score, Florida State, 35. Dylan Gabriel and his Oklahoma Sooners, 32. DG, this hey, is an opportunity doing, uh, to win another big game. Man. Uh, I resolve to uh, keep giving it all I've got for the Sons of UCF and our coverage uh, of UCF Athletics in 2023. Looking forward to another exciting year as we ramp up to the Big 12. And we've got baseball right around the corner and a March Madness, hopefully, for, uh, for basketball. So for uh, Adam and Andy and UCF Mike and his family out in the Big Apple, I'm Trace Trollco. Go Knights, everybody. Go Knights. Happy New Year, everybody. Be safe out there. Let's have a This is Brandon Suggs, and thanks for watching the Suns of UCF. Go Knights. Sports Social Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.